tonight we want to slowly I may not complete tonight's lesson but if we can slowly look on from the book of first Samuel or I believe let's let's put Proverbs 28 and verse 13 on the screen first. Tonight, I want to speak from a topic, a slow leak, a slow leak. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That's from the King James but whosoever confess it and forsake it, them shall have mercy. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 from the New Living Translation. People who conceal, people who hide their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will <clears throat> excuse me, receive mercy. If they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. From the book of First Samuel. I believe we can go Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. We can go to the New Living Translation. I want to read a few verses that will identify the person of whom we're going to be talking about tonight. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 9, there was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of Zerar, son of Bekorath, son of Apia. Of, fear, of the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. Saul, son of Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. Samuel tells us that he was the most handsome man in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else. He's from a very powerful and wealthy 
family. Saul was a trustworthy individual. And his steps were guided by God. Verse 3 tells us that one day Kish's donkey strayed away and he told Saul, he selected Saul, his son, take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. This influential man believed in Saul's ability, trusted him that he will take on the challenge and be successful. Bible says Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalisha, the Shalim area, the entire land of Benjamin, but they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. He's out searching for his father's donkeys, but God is guiding his steps. He said, finally, they entered the region of Zoph. And Saul said to his servant, let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. My father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. Let's go home. Showing A bit about how caring this man was as it concerns his father. He didn't want to place his father in a position where he's, he's worrying about his own son. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There's a man of God who lives here in the town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. He's a prophet. They call him a seer. God is doing something. Suddenly, the servant has an idea. He's thinking about something, that there is a man of God who is held in high esteem by the people who live in this area. He's a prophet. Everything he says come true. Let's go and search him out. Saul says we don't have anything to offer him. Even our food is gone and we don't have a thing to give him. Showing his kindness. He wants to. To meet the man of God. But he wants to present. A gift. The servant says. I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God. And see what happens. Saul agrees. To seek counsel. From the man. Of God. So he started out 
And as they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young woman coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servants asked, is the seer here today? Yes, they replied. That's what they call the prophet, the seer. Stay right on this road. He is at the town's gate. He has just arrived to take part in a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat. The guests won't begin eating until he arrives to bless the food. So Saul, they entered, he and his servant, the town. And as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to go to the place of worship. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines. For I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. It is good for us to understand, to know that it is not, or rather that it is God who chose Saul and gave him a purpose. Bible says that he told the prophet Samuel tomorrow about this time I'm going to send a man from the land of Benjamin anoint him to be the leader of my people who is sending him God how because God allowed his father's donkeys to go missing To send him, chosen by his father, to go seeking uh, for his donkeys. But God had a greater plan. Paul left, um, not Paul, Saul rather, left the house seeking for donkeys. But God had a greater plan. What did the Lord say? Anoint him to be leader of my people. God's selection to lead the nation of Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines. For I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. God's choice when we look on the life of Saul we must also note that as Christians every one of us called out of nature's darkness into this glorious light handpicked by God himself purchased 
with his own blood. Telling us that our bodies are not our own. Does not belong to us. Because we are purchased with a great price. Every single one of us. Has been given a purpose in this kingdom. There is something for us to do in the kingdom of God. God chose us. We did not choose him. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat together, eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. Isn't it strange? Come and stay with me in the night. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry. The seer is looking into things now. And he's saying, don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago. For they have been found. And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hope. Can you imagine? You're on a mission to look for donkeys. And now, a man who is held in high esteem, you're told by your servant, and whatever he says, come true. And now you're in his presence. He says, abide with me for the night. Tomorrow I'll tell you. Before I set you on your way, i tell you what you want to know. Don't worry about those donkeys that were lost. They have been found. Good news. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that you and your family are, are, the, are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Can you imagine how shocking that word could be to the young man, Saul? The entire nation, the hope of the entire nation as existing as a people rest upon you and your family. Me, who's just out searching for donkeys, yes, you and your family. God never called a man to have him sit back and be comfortable and to fold his arms waiting for the day of death or to be translated into heaven. Here's work. Now, we recognize what we see here, brothers and sisters, is a very humble and respectful young man. Very humble. 
Verse 21 tells us, Saul replied, but I am only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in, the, in Israel. And my family is the least. Verse, verse 21, my family is the least. Verse 1, there was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. That's the family he's coming from. Saul looks on Samuel and say, my family is the small, is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Saul was not trying to pretend. He had a humble spirit. A humble spirit. Now, Samuel brought him, Saul and his servant, into the hall and placed them at the head of the table, honoring them above the 30 special guests. Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul the finest cut of meat, the piece that had been set aside for the guest of honor. So they cook, the cook brought in the meat and placed it before Saul. Go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day, being respectful, showing gratitude. Went home from the place of worship. Samuel took Saul up to the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next time, next morning, Samuel called to Saul, get up, it's time. You were on your way. So Saul got ready and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, stay here, for I have received a special message for you from God. Very weird. What's happening to this young man? Seemingly confusing. I'm on a trip to find my father's donkeys. And I'm caught up in this experience that I, I can't even wrap my mind around. Sounds like some of us. We didn't head to church expecting to get baptized and surrender our lives to the Lord. Perhaps we went because somebody invited us and we didn't even want to allow them to feel bad. So we showed up. Perhaps it was a baby's blessing, a funeral, or some other occasion. Perhaps, you know, different ways where people come in contact with God. 
And all of a sudden, you didn't, know, you didn't even know how it happened. You just found yourself in the arms of Jesus. Church, me and church, no way. I got to enjoy this world. Saul is saying, I'm here searching for my father's donkeys. No, all Israel hopes lies with me and my family. And they say everything that this man says come true. And now he's telling me I got to uh, get on my way home. And while I'm on my way, he says, send the servant ahead. And now telling me to stay back because he has a special word from God. Brothers and sisters, what we see here is an individual who has shown humility. An individual who submits himself even to a man who's got, who, who, who the anointing of the Lord rests on. I'm talking about the prophet Samuel. And now in, in chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Oh Lord, can you imagine? This is not just somebody soaking you up with some olive oil. He's giving a word. Poured it over Saul's head. Kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special position. And now tells him of a sign. When you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelza and the board of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is not worried about you. He's asking, have you seen my son? Brothers, we're seeing a display of the hand of God brothers and sisters God silently working out his plan through an individual now we see a young man Saul who's showing that he's caring He's obedient in that he's humble. That's what we have seen so far. And he's now anointed as king, ruler over Israel. Bible tells us as we go further,
the verse. Let's pick up from verse 5. There's going to be a next sign. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. Now, here, Samuel is telling Saul, as soon as you arrive at this location at Gibeah of God, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. And obviously they have their instruments. And they will be prophesied. God's spirit will rest on you. And you too will prophesy with them. Not only that you will prophesy with them, but you will be changed into a different person. The hand of God. When the hand of God touches you, the spirit of God touches you, you're going to be changed into another person. Different person. It's not, it's not different from us, brothers and sisters. When the Lord Jesus, when we repent of our sins, buried in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost, scripture tells us that we are a new creation in him. All things are passed away. Hallelujah. And behold, all things have become new. There's a change of heart that takes place. So too with Saul. Bible says, after these signs take place, do what must be done for God is with you. After you see these signs, do what must be done. Don't be afraid, for God is with you. What a, what a moment in this young man's life. All these things are just happening. As the day progresses, next day, something else. Next day, something else. All leading up to one word. This is the man who I have chosen to deliver my people. To rule over them. Now, he's to carry out his duty as king to the very best of his ability. Not to be fearful. Verse 8 tells us, Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me, and I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. Brothers and sisters, uh, this is something that we have to re re remember 
in case we don't finish tonight. Look at this. A young man who is starting out, who is selected by God. The prophet says, I will join you there to sacrifice down to Gilgal. Sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. You can't move. You can't do nothing until I show up. You got to wait for the instructions. No different from our lives as Christians. We abide in him. We live by his command. Now, look at Saul. The Bible said, as Saul turned and started to leave, immediately, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Now, brothers and sisters, I want us to understand that what We have seen of Saul so far. We did not see anything that will allow us to question his character. We saw a caring individual, a respectful young man, a humble man. And one thing I admire, he did not hesitate when his servant told him of a man of God who is held in high esteem and that everything that he says comes to pass. And Saul, the only thing that Saul was concerned about, I'm going to see the man of God and I don't have a gift. The servant says, don't worry, I have something. And he readily went with the servant. So we didn't see anything that would allow us to question his character. But after the prophet had spoken and Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. God gave him a changed heart. It's a picture, brothers and sisters, of conversion. A new creation we are in him. We see now Saul, a picture of conversion that has taken place. At the time you reach verse 10, brothers and sisters, let's be patient with, with this teaching tonight. We may not finish, but let's grasp all that we can tonight. It is very important. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. And he too began to prophesy. And those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? Watch what's going to happen. Verse 13 tells us, when Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Where have you been? Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. We were looking for the donkeys, Saul replied. 
but we couldn't find them. So we went to Samuel to ask him where they were. Oh, what did he say? His uncle asked. He told us that the donkeys had already been found. Saul replied, but Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel said about the kingdom. We see again a spirit of humility and Saul exercising wisdom. His anointing was a private one. He's not publicly anointed. And Saul does not want to give any information. He did not want to uh, uh, depict uh, a spirit of pride or boasting about what had transpired. So he didn't tell his uncle about that. What a powerful start. Now, Saul is to be acknowledged or installed as king. Bible said later, the seven days has now transpired. Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all of the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Casting lots. Whatever happened, however they did it. Benjamin's tribe is chosen. And he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. And the family of the Matrites was chosen. But Samuel already knew who was king. But one has to be distinguished as to how they operate and allow God's wisdom to lead and to guide them so that the people will not rebel. And so this has been done, brothers and sisters, for the people, for the sake of the people. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Sounds like Moses, I'm not fit for the job. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. The man who all of Israel hoped is rested on. Hiding. So they found him and brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then said Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel gave them the rights and duties of a king. Wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. And Samuel sent the people home 
again. Verse chapter 11. Saul now is going to go on his first mission, military mission to relieve Israel from their oppressors. We're being told in the first Samuel 11 about a tragedy. A month later, King Nahash of Ammon, one month in office, led his army against the Israelite town of Jabez Gilead. And all the citizens of Jabez asked for peace. Make a treaty with us and we will be your servants, they pleaded. And Nahash, that terrible king, says, on one condition, I'm going to gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all Israel. Jabesh asks for seven days. The elders ask for seven days. We're going to send messengers to true Israel. If no one comes to save us, we will agree to your terms. The messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the people about their plight. Everyone broke into tears. Saul had been plowing a field with his oxen. And when he returned to town, he asked, what's the matter? Why is everyone crying? So they told him about the message from Jabesh. Then the spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul and he became very angry. Righteous anger. He was stirred. He took two oxen and cut them into pieces and sent the messengers to carry them throughout Israel with the message. This is what will happen to the oxen of anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. And the Lord made the people afraid of Saul's anger. And all of them came out together as one. The anointing that's on the man's life. He's been stirred. Righteous anger. He wants to move for God. When God saw that, the anointing of the Lord, my God Almighty, he he cut two oxen, opened into pieces and, 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 and sent it throughout the land of Israel and said, any one of you that won't stand in battle, not for me, for Israel, for God, this is what's going to happen to your oxen. Lord made the people, God, his anointing is working. Made them afraid of Saul's anger. And they came out together as one. The power of the anointing that rested upon the man. And Saul sent a message tomorrow at noon time. We're going to rescue you. There was great joy throughout the town when that message arrived. The power of the anointing. He acted out throughout the land of Israel. Now he sends a word. And that word releases joy. In the town of of Jabesh. And when 
The men of Jabesh then told their enemies, we ain't going to sign no deal. Tomorrow we will come out to you and you can do to us whatever you wish. Resting on the word of Brother Saul. But before, that, before the dawn, the next morning, Saul arrived having divided his army into three detachments. He launched a spiritual attack against the Ammonites and slaughtered them the whole morning. The remnant of their army was so badly scattered that no two of them were left together. No two. No man was joining with the other. Scattered. A powerful move of God through the life of a man called Saul. We have it today. A lot of us can get up and we can testify in church how powerful the anointing, the help that comes from the Lord has moved through us. So powerful. A solid start. And people exclaim to Samuel, now where are those men who said, why should Saul rule over us? Because when he was anointed, there were those who, there was a few men who said, uh, who is Saul? Why is he going to rule over us? Now the people recognize that Saul was victorious. They ask now, where are those little scoundrels? Where are those people who said, uh, why should Saul rule over us? Bring them here and we will kill them. Saul replied, no. One will be executed today. For today the Lord has rescued Israel. Sina, a forgiving spirit. Showing forgiveness. And people went with Samuel down to Gilgal to renew the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, what we have seen demonstrated here is a solid start. We have not seen anything in the character of this man that will cause us to question. He's been used by the Lord. The hand of the Lord is upon him. He's been given a word of the Lord from the Lord. Do whatever you're commanded to do to the best of your ability as being king. It was, and I quote from Anon, who says, Life's greatest tragedy is to lose God and not miss him. The greatest tragedy in life, according to Anon, is to lose God and not miss him. A relationship that we think is active. But it's not. And we haven't noticed. Another quote from Donald Gray Barnhouse said, 
Withering is a slow process. Barely perceptible at first either to one who is being withered or to those who look on. A very slow process. It's not easily it's, it, it's not easily noticed or perceived either by one who is looking on or the person who is withering. The last one from John Blancard says, "No Christian is ever going in the right direction." When he has his back to God. No Christian is heading in the right direction when his back is given to God. Life's greatest tragedy is to lose God and not to miss him. When we look on the life of Saul, a solid start as it relates to his call and his function in the office that God had placed him in. And as Christians, everyone who is called to the kingdom of God is given a clean start with God. When we are taken out of nature's darkness, presented into this marvelous kingdom. We are a new creation. The hand of God rests on us. In fact, as believers, we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. On the in the days of the prophets, under the law, Moses, and, and even in the antediluvian period and before. What we have, brothers and sisters, these men, the spirit of the Lord moved upon them. Moved upon the prophets and they prophesied. Hand of the Lord was upon them and they prophesied. But now, how much greater... We are being filled with the spirit of the Lord. Christ living in us. Solid start. As time progresses, by the time we reach chapter 13, we see Saul now going up against the Philistines. Bible says Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Michmash. And the hill country of Bethel. The other 1,000 went with Saul's son Jonathan to Gibeah. 
in the land of Benjamin. He's going out to war. He's mustered up a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash east of beth The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. And because they were hard pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Bible said, meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there for seven days for Samuel. As Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. Do you recall? When he was told that he was going to be king and anointed, Saul tell him, Samuel rather said, seven days time, go on ahead of me, I'm going to meet you. Before the people. And don't do anything until you get instructions. I'm coming with the instruction. Now, Saul is faced with a battle. And they are pressed. And Saul is at Gilgal. Obviously, he's been sent there. And he's waiting for Samuel. Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. Samuel is now seven days and Samuel is not here. The the, 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 the enemies are pressing us. The men have become fearful. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded acting. Now he's going to take action. The man of God has not shown up. Now Saul. What an earlier point in his life. When he noticed. When he confessed. And showed his humility. And his obedience. Now he's impatient. And he's fearful. It's the beginning brothers and sisters. Of a slow leak. Backsliding does not start necessarily with a bang. It's a slow leak. Quietly. Saul says, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Something that the prophet Samuel should have done. The king had no business to be offering burnt and peace offerings. Watch this now. As soon as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. 
Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what have you done? Saul replied, I saw men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would come. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. What we see now is an individual, thank you, who at the beginning, we did not find Saul to be so vocal. When he was in the presence of Samuel before, he was very quiet. And he listened to the voice and the instructions of the, 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 the prophet Samuel. But now Saul is given four excuses. Number one, the fleeing of the troops, the delay of Samuel, the massive mobilization of the Philistines, and the desperate need to seek for God's help. And you haven't showed up. And God said, oh, how foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord, your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. great start and now there's a slow leak I, I hope as I am teaching, talking about Saul, there are two things for us to notice there is Saul the king of Israel his function, his role. There is Saul, the man. What we are going to see, hopefully by the end of next week, is to see the end result of a slow leak. The joy that's diminishing, slowly dying. Samuel says the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Can you imagine? Here we have now, brothers and sisters, a man who is showing that he is failing. He's acting in a way that's contrary to the will of God. 
not only acting in that way, but when he is confronted, he's making excuses. Look at 1 Samuel 14. Saul looks out in Gibeah of Benjamin, saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Call the roll and find out who's missing. 1 Samuel 14, verse 16. My apologies. Saul ordered, and when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted out to Ahijah, or Ahijah, bring the ephod here, the priestly garment. For at that time, Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, The confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, never mind, let's get going. Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding In the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle continued to rage beyond Bethaven. Saul now seeks out the ephod, puts it on and heads in to battle or desires it to have it, to take him into battle. By the time, brothers and sisters, we reach 1 Samuel 15. I think that's where we're going to close off for tonight. We see now Samuel approaching Saul another time. He said, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to the message from the Lord. God is still speaking. Even though you've gotten a word before. Even though he has made his errors and has given excuses for it. God is still speaking. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now, brothers, God does not have to tell us when he asks us or when he instructs us to do something, he does not have to tell us what the purpose is. But how great How privileged are us when we are informed of the purpose of why God has given us such and such an instruction. God, who is looking now, time 
is progressing. And way back, there is a, a group of people called the Amalekites who acted against the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. And the Lord says, mm -hmm. today, now, I'm going to issue a command. Because now, mercy has ended. Justice now is going to be carried out against the people of Amalek. God's timetable. Samuel says, the Lord wants you to go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Mighty God. That's a heavy instruction. Totally wipe them out. Everything they have, wipe it out. That's God. Eight forty-two. Perhaps, because I'm closing. There are those of us here tonight that's listening. As you look back over your life, begin to think about from the day that you were born into this church. And yes, I say born because nobody can join a church. You must be born in it. Repentance, baptism in his name and in filling of the Holy Ghost. And when I say baptism in his name, I'm talking about in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the, the only uh, instructions that were given to us. Repentance and baptism must be preached in my name, not titles, in my name. And now, as you look over your life, some of us remember the solid start. And some of us, we begin to think about how did I end up where I'm at right now have you ever been in church brothers and sisters and you have heard the comment I want to thank God for keeping me I want to thank God for his mercies towards me I know I'm not at the place that I am supposed to be but I thank him for his mercy Those are words that's coming from a heart who is confessing that there's a slow leak. That there's a spirit of backsliding that's taking place. Because if any man finds himself outside of the presence of God, if he moves, if God is not there, you don't have to ask who have left or who have moved. God is not going nowhere. 
It's only a man that will walk away from the presence of God. So uh, we say, I'm not at the place that I am supposed to be, but continue to pray for me, saints. And the rest of the church says, Amen. Praise the Lord, we pray. Because we too are not really at the place where we ought to be. Why? Why are we not at the place when it's not us that's working? It's Christ that's working through us. It tells us that somebody moved, someone moved, but it's not God. Someone has a change of heart. And it's not God. It's a slow leak. The dwindling of an anointing. An anointing that is now dying or cannot operate. A spirit that is now contaminated. Brothers and sisters, I want us to pause and think. Use our Mind that the Lord has given us. Think. Who moved? Who moved? Saul, I will be with you do you remember us reading that tonight that Samuel told Saul that God is with him so why have you become fearful because of what you are seeing become impatient acted out in fear now you have excuses Oh, how foolish, Samuel replied. What happened? Begin to talk. We listen, and some folks never talk about what's currently taking place, how the Lord is currently moving through their lives. It's always about the past and what church used to be. Now, brothers and sisters, I like talking about the past because one should not forget how God has acted in our lives. Talk about them. Tell your children about them. 
But there's got to be a current relationship. There's got to be something that's happening now. We are going to be reflecting the next coming days. God's willing. Because about our lives and about this Christian walk, because we need to get to the place where we are walking with God. There's only one result that takes place if we have a a slow leak in a tire. Those of us who drive, those of us who know about it, if we have a slow leak and we don't pay attention to it, there can only be one result and it's a flat tire. A tire now that stalls us. We can't move. Let us begin to reflect on our life. Begin to think about our walk with the Lord. And let us join together tonight in prayer for somewhere somehow there is a slow leak and it has to be identified if it is to be addressed we're going to follow up next week for Samuel 15 as we look on the the life of Saul. Under the topic, slow leak. Brothers, sisters, I believe the Lord wants to wake us up like he walked in the midst of the candlesticks when he gave those gave John those words to the seven churches in Asia Minor told them, commended them and though he had reviewed he had some hard questions to some of the churches to the one who left their first love those who have become cold or lukewarm rather neither cold nor hot so they become naked those who have given space to the spirit of Jezebel that woman Jezebel those who held held on to the doctrines of the Nicolaitans something happened somebody moved It's not the Lord. The Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
What makes you become tearful or cause tears to flow from your eyes when you reflect on your life and think about how the Lord used you in the past. Something has changed. What change? He gave you a change heart. He gave us a change heart, every one of us. Let's unmute our microphones and bow our heads.